for planners. Crypto for planners. Crypto for planners. Crypto for planners. Welcome back to the Crypto for Planners podcast, the most interesting CFP in the financial planning industry. Uh, today, we are going off the chain uh, with Daniel Bishop, who I had the privilege of meeting at the PlannerDAO. Daniel has a impressive alphabet soup after his name. He is a CFP, um, a SEPA business valuation exec. Uh, he knows education. And most importantly, he's a CDAA. And um, I got to meet him at the PlannerDAO. And uh, Daniel has his uh, office in Illinois. And we're so excited to have this conversation with them. So, Daniel, welcome. Uh, thank you. I'm uh, I'm glad that that we could have this conversation. Yeah. So, real quick, how in the world did you find the Planner DAO? So, about a year ago, I had some uh, family office clients that I was doing work for that were asking me because I'm kind of digitally native. Mm-hmm. You know how that is. Like, uh, we can't get this projector to work. Well, because you're trying to plug in an HDMI cable and a USB-C connection, like mm-hmm. you, you know, <laughs> like, so I often got to the point where I was helping people do stuff that's way, way outside my job. But, um, even, you know, one client, I, I just set up their eHarmony remote because they'd had somebody come up to their house like four times trying to do it. I'm like, it can't be that difficult. So we sat so down. Do- yeah. So we so they always ask me about tech stuff. Yeah. So we need to add Geek Squad to your list of credentials too. No, 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 no. <laughs> I cannot fix computers. Uh, I do not want to. Yeah. So like, so because of that, they kept, you know, people are always asking, well, what do I do with like digital estate planning stuff? Or, and so I kept getting these questions about crypto and, I, you know, at, in my business, I felt like it wasn't mature enough a couple of years for me to be able to offer it to these types of people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. well, you know how that is where like, if, if you had a different niche, it might actually be the right thing to start, but it was just a little bit too early. It's too much risk for this type of person. So I was looking for a um, real education, which is very, very difficult to find. I yeah, most of the time I'll take two different certifications, the education, and then not even keep the certification. Right. Right. It's like, yeah, you learn one of them was much better, but if clients don't know what that certification is. Right. It doesn't really matter. The initials don't matter to them so much. It's for you to grow in your understanding and and create a base for you to, to, to be in the industry, to be in the space. Yeah. And I'm talking about even like real certifications, not the ones that are trying to turn you into a bond, like (laughs) give us a thousand dollars and we'll give you a, you know, every year. Yep. Every year. (laughs) I kind of got to the point where I was looking around and there was a couple of different providers in the traditional world. And I was just having real difficulty believing that they knew what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then in the, in the, you know, let's say crypto native world, some of them probably know exactly what they're talking about, mm-hmm. but don't know the basic concepts of investments and finance to the point where I'm like, oh, man, I don't even know if I want to put that stuff in my brain. Yeah. Because, you know, the more you listen to something, the more, like, if you take a test on it, if you, you, it'll get stuck in your brain if you know it's wrong. <laughs> right. right. I think that's how I failed the CFP the first time. Yeah. I know exactly <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah. So, and, and was that when it had pencils or did you have like rocks? Oh, no, 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 that was, um, yeah, there were, there were pencils, but yeah, there was, I think you had to like, you know, pass it through the Scantron machine yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you had the two day test, which is like, two days, yep. you're not going to sleep that night. Nope. <laughs> so you're going to do horrible the next day. I guess the other answer to that question is, um, you know, I've always played. So a long, long, long time ago, I, um, was computer network engineer. I was going for my Microsoft certified and all that stuff. And I realized that I didn't like working for hospitals and places like that where, mm-hmm. you know, there was one hospital that I was, I was working at. There was 10,000 people in the main building. Oh, wow. Like you're the commodity. Yeah. Like, and why didn't you get it done? Well, <laughs> because there's literally enough, not enough hours in the day. <laughs> sure. Um, to yeah. Maintain that kind of infrastructure. Yeah. So, um, so I went back to, um, be an aircraft mechanic, went back to school to be an aircraft mechanic and, um, was doing radio electronics, 
mostly troubleshooting electrical systems, mm-hmm. updating uh, software. Um, but you, had, you have to learn everything else about that too. And um, so I was always interested in like the torrent networks, the distributed stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to plead the fifth on exactly. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Yes, in order to make sure you don't incriminate yourself and yes. all of the uh, the music you downloaded inappropriately. I don't know what you're talking about, but there yeah. was five or six computers that basically died that had to be resurrected <laughs> from you know viruses uh, before I, before I learned my lesson and figured it out. You know, and that's a long time ago, but probably about a decade ago, my buddy was talking about Bitcoin and. You know, I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe someday that'll be something, but like, oh, surely mm-hmm. they'll shut it down. Yeah. Oh, n- nobody will let that survive. And it got to the point where I was, I got so curious about it that I was buying stupid stuff on the dark web, like going to like Western Union, <laughs> sending money to somebody that would somehow gave me, you know, somehow gave me some Bitcoin and didn't take my money. And, um, you know, just buying, um, I bought like a raid, an old raid server, mm. <laughs> you know? So I was, I was playing with it and I kind of, okay, that's cool. It's neat, but I didn't see the use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was going from being, um, I was deciding that I needed to, um, start heading towards having an RIA. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'd been even, you know, even when I was a young kid and I was in the desert and the Philippines and places like that and, um, doing aircraft mechanic work, I was always giving the same financial advice that I was using, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like staying out of the country 330 days. If you do that right, man, you can make your, those three years, your, your taxes can be really sweet, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I started getting, I started accumulating clients like early, but they, I wasn't charging people and ba- I mean, basically nothing. Right. And I learned about the de minimis rule and all these different things. And I started to, um, started to realize that financial planning was so much more than just investment management and the technical yeah. side and the insurance and, the like that stuff was all important, but I started like running into, I was at a hotel somewhere and they were, um, Bill Backrack was given a conference. Mm-hmm. Like, and he was doing this training and like, I, I just walked in and they let me just sit down and I'm listening to all this stuff that they're saying. And my mind's just getting like, yeah, like, oh, there might actually theoretically be real financial planners that exist in the world. Right. You know? Yeah. So for, I started for all of you, uh, for all of you kids out there, Bill Backrack and like Roy Diliberto and George Kinder were basically the, the, the founders of um, sort of like the life planning movement that the idea that your, your values, your goals um, mm-hmm. were really the most important part of financial planning. And the, the numbers were, were, were so much less significant than the industry had made it. And, that actually was a was a movement that had happened, and um, yeah, I, I remember getting uh, Bill's book and, and just devouring it and going, "This is exactly what I want to do too," because it was less and less about comp- you know the computational work that ha- you know still important has to be done, but this was more about people and relationships and helping you know, people realize and recognize those goals. So anyways, that little aside, because yeah. some of you might have to be Googling who in the world is Bill back. Yeah. I, I apologize. Is that the uh, guy from that Austin Austin movie? Movie? I yeah. thought I was just talking to another old guy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I went back and I went through like Nick Murray's stuff and like all this different, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm basically spending all my extra time and I'm like, well, I guess I need to go get my CFP. like it was just the natural. So, um, I went and finished, um, you know, a business, uh, finance degree so that I could, um, and take some of those credits. And I went to the university Mm -hmm. of, of, um, Terry's college of business to, to do those extra courses. And, um, I just kind of got, um, like stuck in this world. Like this is something I could do as long as my Mm -hmm. mind's still working. I want to do this when I'm a hundred years old. Like I yeah. don't actually want to ever retire. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating to listen to the, 
series and sequence of your experiences and how, you know, I, I think there's something unique about the the planning profession and being a financial advisor that typically it's, it is a multifaceted background that really prepares you to understand people to understand, you know, their different situations. And uh, I just think it's fascinating that there really is not a very straight line growth, uh, you know, uh, pathway for advisors. It actually is kind of bouncing a little bit all over the place. And, um, you know, my, my, I'm, I'm in the same way. Like I started off doing tax returns, at, you know, with my father as a CPA. Um, but I actually went to school to be an engineer and you just kind of bounce around. You, you pick up all these things, you absorb these different, uh, you know, bodies of knowledge and, and somehow you, you start to see how they can just sort of fuse all together to be this, you know, very, uh, it's like you're a generalist, but you're mm-hmm. an expert in like 10 different things. Especially when you've had another career, I think it's actually helpful. Now I'm not saying, you know, there's, there's certainly, um, RAs right now that are really taking care of mm-hmm. young planners and taking them down the wrong path. But I know for me, for seven years, um, people were like, hey, you want a job at this industrial complex? Well, no. No, I don't. I also don't want right. to go to because that's what that sounds like. <laughs> right. You know, just constantly like, hey, you know, don't you, don't you want this job? And I'm like, uh, there's got to be something else out there. So, um, so I kind of just made my own mentorships. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wasted a lot of money doing that. But there wasn't... Um, there wasn't any advice only planners. There was barely any yeah. fee only right like fiduciaries. Like there was barely any people that were there's still not that many people that are doing like a real comprehensive financial planning. Mhm. Yeah. Right. So um so I just kept going to school um in one way or another to make sure that I wasn't missing something. Mhm. Right. And that's really the same reason why I went, came to the CDAA is it's like, okay, I know a whole bunch of these little tiny things. What am I missing? I know I'm missing something. And if I'm actually going to be a true private fiduciary for this type of client, I can't, you can't drop any balls. Right. Right. When you when you treat that responsibility seriously, it, it does drive you to um, truly get into the weeds of various topics because you can't sort of wing estate planning or tax planning or you know retirement distribution planning for for people and get it just a little bit right. Like that's that's not what fiduciaries do. Especially if you can find a guide, you know, you almost have to go halfway there and learn how they do it. Mm-hmm. but then still outsource and not do it yourself. But you have to see how the sausage is made. You know, a financial plan, even if we're just talking about the technical aspect is, is kind of like a variable flow nozzle on a rocket. If you change mm-hmm. one part, it may or may not have extremely far ranging consequences in another yeah. part. Right. Yeah. So, um, if you change anything, you better know what it's changing. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you don't, you need to find subject matter experts, um, sub advisors, somebody. Right. So that's, that's how I've always felt is I felt like I was the inspector to make sure it got done right. Yeah. But I need to find experts to do the, some of this other stuff. Right. To sort of like your, your subcontractors who are specialists in installing plumbing, electrical, that kind of stuff. But exactly. We're still overseeing the the construction of this house. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could, you can have a really, really great carpenter who's a true master carpenter. They're not going to know everything they need to know about electricity and geothermal and heated floors and, 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 you know, there, mm-hmm. there's, there's too right. much, you know, if you live to be 400 years old, you still never catch up because stuff changes so quickly and you've so got to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Well, so yeah. Sleep, sleep is optional when you have as many kids as we do. But, um, <laughs> but no, I, th- I think this is a good segue because, um, you know, we, we met in the, in the planner Dow. Um, you were one of the ones who very quickly happened to volunteer for things. And that's a very dangerous thing when you're so early to an organization that is in, uh, in such need for, for just people and, and, you know, man put throughput like that. That's, that's what you were doing. I, I, I'm um, 
I just was amazed at your uh, capacity to see everything that was going on in these different areas, because not only do you help out with um, the community experience group, which is what I'm at, you help out with the education working group, you've helped with the CDAA, um, all the, the transitions and stuff going on there. And I, I think it's interesting because it just points to you, you really are the Swiss army knife. Um, so talk to me real quick about you, you have specialized in some family office work. And, and to be honest, I, I, I knew advisors like you existed because, you know, like that was like the, the biggest, if you wanted to be like this really awesome RIA, like you were going to be in a family office, um, you know, especially down here in Florida where there's a lot of old money, um, yeah. you know, family offices were sort of like, you're, 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 you're hoping one day to get picked up into, or, you know, be a yeah. part of this kind of thing. And all of a sudden, like I, I'm, I'm meeting you and I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Daniel is not. And I'm just kidding. That was, <laughs> that was a setup that I, I couldn't nice, finish. I like that cheap shot though. I, I couldn't, I couldn't one. do it. You should. Um, but you know, it's, it's because you have this ability to be a Swiss army knife, to be that general contractor. Um, so how does that help you do family office work and what, what does it actually look like? Let's cut the normal industry BS and be real clear since we're talking to advisors. An RIA that's doing the financial planning work that they should have already been doing isn't a multifamily office. You're just actually starting to do comprehensive planning that ideally you should have been done doing the last 20 years. And, you know, often that company has, has been keeping you back from, you know, they've mm-hmm. handcuffed you from being able to do your, your real sure. job. Or they've outsourced it to some software that sort of masks the fact that, you know, you just trust the software to do the comprehensive part and you're just dealing with outputs, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you've hit – I have a soapbox. We'll, we're gonna get, we'll get to that. Oh, my. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't have very many soapboxes, but that uh, industry software is one of my soapboxes. I should have oh. known. I'm sorry, guys. So, um, okay, so a, you know, you can have a very, very advanced – RA that's doing all the right things, who's also doing alternative assets and, mm-hmm. and they're doing it for, um, let's say people that are 20 million. Once you get about 25 million, you know, in a state like Illinois, it's at 5 million, your state planning starts getting, <laughs> you know, but once you get to about 25 million, um, not that like just using this as a proxy for complexity, since we don't have that much time, that level of complexity there's certain things that they need a little bit more of. Mm-hmm. Right. And depending upon what they have, especially if there's somebody who's, um, Oh, is a main, a business owner who has sold a business, mm-hmm. a farmer, the most of your true multifamily office services are most of the time they're doing like large flat fees mm-hmm. for pure work. It's usually advice only. And the reason why that is, is because you might have, um, you might have a farmer that 90% of their wealth is in land, Mm -hmm. right? So it's not, it doesn't constitute itself to AUM. That doesn't make sense. Right. Right. But if you're doing all the real work, you can figure out a flat fee for that level of complexity and you can do the work that they need. Right. Or you can be on their board of advisors. You can Mm -hmm. help. So, um, multifamily offices kind of get more and more advanced as somebody gains more net worth, but usually about a million or I'm sorry, usually about a hundred million. Um, it's so complex that they're trying to bring stuff more and more in house. Mm -hmm. Right. They have their own group of people that are, they're, they're experts that are completely solely captured by this one family which is where kind of the, you know, the term comes from, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's you, you're not working for an RA anymore. In this instance, you are literally being paid by a family limited partnership or an LLC or a trust or something like that. Um, now you may, you, it may be also paying your business just for tax purposes, right? right. But you're right. not working for an RA you're working for right. the family. Right? That's right. So if you're doing private equity deals for them, like that niche, the per the people that do that, that's all they do all the time, but they can get really, really good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so it, it just, most of the time it makes sense somewhere above 75 million. They're going to look for a CIO, um, maybe a CIO and a CEO. Okay. Um, now in the old tr- family office world, what we'd have is with all your protection in place, doing proper estate planning and 
um, really, really doing everything right, it's probably going to take a almost a decade for you to go from 100 million to 200 or 250 million. Mm, yeah. Right. And so most family offices, the old world, the family offices had decades as they grow from say 125 to 250 to a half a billion to a billion. They have decades to find the right people, mm. put those people in the right seats, train them. And so most of your old family offices, um, the pace is really slow, but it's really important mm -hmm. work. Yeah. Um, so what I'm trying to build for, um, is, well, I guess I should say this, you know, in the exit planning world, it's very often that a, a business owners had a major failure, had a major failure. And then, oh my goodness, they finally right. figured it out. Mm -hmm. Right. And they took on a lot of risk, but it finally was rewarded very, very well. So not only they, are they exiting, you know, being an, uh, an operator, they may be exiting being an owner mm -hmm. and they have it, they, you know, that, which is part of their identity and wrapped up. So they need really comprehensive planning on the personal side, on the business side, on the state planning side, and just even the life planning side, figuring out what their new identity is. Yep. Yep. Right? What are you going to do with your time? So, um, but because of that, somebody who was using their business like an ATM for a long time, all of a sudden with, you know, three or four years of good value acceleration work with there's, there's a lot of SEPAs that that's all they do. They might seven X the business. It might sell literally strategically for seven times what they thought it was worth. Wow. Yeah. So now they have enough money where all of a sudden, oh, we need to build a family office. Mm -hmm. We need to start doing. So with crypto, the interesting thing is that um, it seems like some of these people have went from working at Taco Bell to like five years later, having 200 million. Well, yeah. Maybe 150 after the last few weeks, but having all of their wealth in, you know, in right. crypto. And so because it happens so quickly, they don't even have a really good financial advisor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. They don't have a really good estate planner. They don't have a really good. And so the niche that I'm starting to get most of my prospects for are people that instead of in the regular uh, multifamily office space where you might be able to have 10 clients a year. Mm-hmm. In this space, it's like one to five, depending upon the level mm -hmm. of complexity. Because there's just, there, there's so much more there. You have to start building for them because they, they don't have, they, they don't have the infrastructure. They don't have no. plans in place that there was very much almost like a, a sudden wealth kind of moment um, that happened, you know, with with the explosion of the value of these stuff that, um, that you're, you're really having to dig in and, and almost create from scratch all, all of this stuff. Is that, is that it? Yeah. And so you got, um, you know, you got to do custom containers for custody and multi-entity structures and multi-sig wallets and, um, have somebody help you design a, a tax efficient entity mm -hmm. and, 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 and you've got to hire three to 25 people. Right. Or just you because you're typically. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but you got to find those right people that because yeah. it's a team sport. Like right. you literally can't do it. Just like exit planning and several other things. It's a team sport. You cannot do it yourself. It's literally a capacity issue. Mm -hmm. Even if you knew how to do it, you, you know, you with, you know, in the, in the old world, you could be the CFO and the CIO at the same time, mm -hmm. probably all the way till you get to um, 250 million right? It's two part-time jobs and everything needs to be done right, but you're outsourcing mm -hmm. a lot of stuff, right? You can't do that in crypto. You're going to need a team of five or six people researching underneath your CIO because the pace of moving is just so right. fast. It's yeah, not like trees right. where it changes every 30 years. Sure. Or any, and think, think about some of the, the traditional assets that, you know, um, created this, this wealth for family offices. It was land, mm -hmm. um, it was real estate and, and, and businesses, privately owned businesses. All three of those things are incredibly slow. Um, they, they don't have valuations that are easy to, to extract at any given moment. Um, and then you look at crypto where at, 24 seven, any moment, any second in the world, you know, exactly what the value is, how much it's changed, how much it's gone up or down. Um, you know, it, it's, it's almost like the antithesis to 
a land real estate kind of, mm-hmm. of wealth creator. And so, you know, what, what you were talking about is, is one of the things I'm most interested in is the human behavioral response to this kind of stuff, right? So what, what does it look like for someone who has taken on a, crazy amount of risk investing in these projects, you know, uh, you know, we can call them shit coins and some of them have, you know, a thousand X their, you know, the return. How, how, what does it look like for that person to have to sell, to walk away, to realize gains? I mean, I, I, I knew so many people who um, went through the last crypto bull market and held every single, you know, day expecting for it to continue to go up forever. And all of a sudden yeah. it didn't, there's a behavioral anchoring that's happening. Um, that is just new to this space. It's new, new to this, you know, entire crypto world. So, um, I, I find it fascinating that, that your sort of background experience working with, um, very sophisticated people, but there, there's a lot of the similarities of you, you've, you've sort of had, like you were saying earlier, this one, massive risk finally pay off and it has now changed your life. Um, like you said, windfall, you know, this right. is like, like, like the sudden wealth move, you know, sudden wealth Institute teaches a lot of good mm-hmm. stuff on that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that does something different than the person who has, you know, worked a nine to five job, done the right thing, saved, you know, made a couple investments that may have, you know, sort of changed their, you know, sort of, situation. But for the most part, that kind of wealth is very different than, you know, what, what you're describing and what I think is uh, sort of right now, a lot of what's prevalent in the crypto world is the sudden sort of almost like, and I hate to say inherited because it, it makes it sound like you didn't really do anything for it. Um, and that's no, not no, fair. Most of these people are extremely intelligent and, right. but they you know, entrepreneurs in general don't see all the risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But that's how they got their wealth. <laughs> sure. Right. But how you get wealth is not how you keep wealth. Yeah. Right. Completely different set of strategies. So yeah, yeah. Your, your intuition is exactly right. You know, as you know, when somebody gets like 2 million or 5 million, like, Oh, you know, my business gave me, they have trouble, even if they're already fairly well off, they have trouble not spending it. Like just yeah. looking at it in the bank account, they'll check it like the 17 times the first day. Is it still there? Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a weight to wealth, especially if it's, you know, if you're, if you've one extra net worth, that's enough weight to, um, start causing behavior aberrations. So people will start thinking, um, oh, I've got to invest this money right now. And it's like, well, no, just like a death, putting the money where it's supposed to be is the very last thing we're going to do. We're going to work on a whole bunch of other things for six months. Right. And then when your central nervous system's calmed down and you're, you, you know, it's become normal. Then yeah. we're the smart thing, right? So when hap- what happens when somebody gets a hundred X or three hundred X yeah. of what they're or or in in you know in the the Taco Bell uh case study, <laughs> right? I should probably write that. Uh, but it's, it's something I've basically literally seen that type yeah. of you know yeah. um where somebody's I don't know, maybe ten thousand Xing that because they had I don't know. They had a negative net worth, right? Mm-hmm, right. They had like all these student loans. And then it's like, oh, wait, you are going to have, it's going to take you five years to absorb how wealthy you are. So yeah. in situations like that, where somebody's 100xing their wealth and it's, and it comes in this way, um, there's people that change their names. There's people that, that move and drive across country. Yeah. There's people that um, will choose to go on sabbaticals across the world and travel. Um, there's, uh, there's people that will remove all, all of their accounts offline. Yeah. Like yeah. they'll wipe them, try to wipe themselves off the internet. And, and some of these behaviors are actually rational. If you think about it, mm-hmm. right. It's kind of like a lottery winner getting this Absolutely. mega jack- right. jackpot. Yeah. Right? So it, it does create a set of new set of risks that they're not ready for. And they've not even had a good financial advisor talk them through the next year. Get ready. This is how you're going to feel. And that's normal. Right. It's, right. You're a smart person for doing this. It's not, it's, it's completely human. Yeah. I was going to say, you, you kind of took the main crux of my, my thought, which is, you know, we see this with like professional athletes. We see this with lottery winners. We see this with, you know, um, sort of like I said, inherited wealth because mm-hmm. it's, it's the same recipe. It's the same mix. There is a set of sort of skills, behaviors, um, you know, sort of body of knowledge that was not 
a part of the process of creating this wealth. All of a sudden it was just like, bam, it happened and you're not ready for it. And now there's a whole new set of, of problems and risks on the other side of it. Um, that, that it's, it's hard, it's hard for people to comprehend and see. And, and honestly, I think that is why, I mean, that's why I am a CDAA. It's why I'm at the planner DAO is because this space is screaming out for fiduciary help for people mm -hmm. who are not looking to just leech on to, you know, their wealth and, and, and suck their, you know, 1% or, you know, half a base, you know, whatever it's, they need really good fiduciary help, um, to, to maintain and willing to pay for it as long as it's real, like Correct. pure help. Correct. You're not selling them a product. And, and, you know, one of the, the markers of, of some of these people is there is a very natural skepticism now that thinks you're just here because of my net worth. You're not, not really here to help me. You're, you're here because of what my, you know, my success can do for you. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't have the, 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 probably the, the years experience that you do, but I, I, you know, my, my one client who we saw, you know, sell his business and just, we, we watched this whole thing unfold and, you know, unfortunately it was earlier in my career and I wasn't really ready um, to, to be as helpful as I, I feel like I probably should have been. But um, you know, it's, it's this idea of this space needs fiduciaries to give advice um, that, that that's free from all these other conflicts. Yeah. And you need the team. Like if, if you had known about, you know, there wasn't that many SEPAs back then. Right. Mm -hmm. They just, it was yep. very, very, very rare. Um, but if you had known about it and you could get somebody to come in for whatever, some flat fee or it doesn't push you out. It yeah. just makes the team better. Right. And I think that a lot of, um, I don't know, a lot of young planners have scarcity mindset. Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. It was, yeah. that, that's what I was saying. Like it, it's like, here's, here's your first client who is really, I mean, they are now completely in a different stratosphere of problems and issues that you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And you're just scared out of your mind that the second you introduce some other person to, to this, you know, who's done this before, been there, done that, like, there they go, they're going to go out the door and you're never going to see them again. Yeah. And in, and in so doing, you, you, you haven't really done your job and now you, you are, will, on, they, they will replace you because they will replace you. Yeah. You haven't, you haven't, yeah, you haven't done and lived up to that, you know, level of, of care that you have been doing this entire time. So um, yeah. I think it, I think it's fascinating. So let's, let's pivot to you. You, you are presently using digital assets. You're having some conversations with people. Um, you know, it, it might be a little different than some advisors listening to this because of the, maybe the net worth or the, the, you know, the risk appetite that some of the people you deal with are, or just their technical background. But what, I guess let's start. How are you using digital assets so first? I, let's start there. So, um, so my, I have, um, as I said before, I have less than five total clients, mm -hmm. um, which is a weird thing. It's kind of the opposite, you know, into the spectrum, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of good, if you want to build a really good business, go look at Bass and asset management and a whole bunch of other places. Like there's, um, you can be a better, cheaper fiduciary and bring home twice as much as you would have if you worked for some corporation. Right. You know, it's right. actually a win, 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 you know? Um, but so my clients are in general, extremely tech savvy. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of them, um, also a lot of them and people in the family have experience with trading and investments. What they don't have is, um, all the other financial planning stuff that they need. And, and everybody's coming at them and saying, oh, we'll do your bill pay for $10,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great, but $120,000 a year. Well, we can hire an accountant for $60,000 right. that will do 10 times that amount of work. Right. Yeah. Right. So there, you know, there's people coming at them and they're, um, and, and a lot of this stuff, it's not, it's not the people are extremely intelligent. It's a factor of if you haven't been in this business long enough, you don't understand that that type of accountant is going to pad hours. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And that other type of accountant might be twice as much hourly, but they're never going to pad their hours. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And they're going to use a normal diamond team and they're going to do the real tax planning. So, so the extreme levels of due diligence, um, is, is one of the things that we're looking at. Um, but like personal financial life planning, oversight, business strategy, um, really deep risk management, mm. like things that you would not think about that are, it sounds things that I'll just say a couple of them cause they sound crazy. Right. They it sounds nuts, but, um, you know, you want to make sure that the chip inside the scanner that your clients have is made in Texas or Japan or almost nowhere else. And has been sourced properly. Mm -hmm. uh, you, their trash needs to be burnt usually. Right. Like things that you would not normally think of as a threat yeah. are a threat. Like the right. gardener when and the, that that's mowing the lawn. You actually have to do some due diligence on him because he could put a net device somewhere that could sit there and just listen, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's looking at like their business threats and their personal threats from all these different angles and trying to mitigate them the most efficient way possible. But including that, which, you know, that's my black swans, my mm -hmm. name of my business on, on purpose, you know, mitigating the risks that people don't even know they have. Don't even know they have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't want clients to worry about that or think about that. I want them to know that when they get a new computer, this person is going to take care of for them. Yeah. Right. And, um, they kind of, um, so the issues that we're seeing is that these clients especially are mostly like deep, deep DeFi, mm. like doing weird stuff. I'm like, what? Oh, you could do that. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. And, uh, so, um, the traditional family office world just doesn't understand them. Mm. Okay. Like they don't understand them psychologically, politically, um, in any of these ways. And so they're offering products that it's like, these people keep calling and like, you know, my uncle says I should do it, but it just feels wrong. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's because you don't actually even need that. Like, it's not even relevant for you, you know, right. or, or, you know, they call them the suits. Mm -hmm. Like These guys <laughs> are showing up in a limo and these people are still dressing in t-shirts and yeah. wearing normal clothes. And a lot of very, very wealthy people that are not known yet wear normal clothes on purpose, like strategically, sure. right? Sure. Um, they drive that type of car on purpose because it's the status is not worth, um, revealing the privacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, the issues we're finding is that there's this clash between the old traditional world and what people actually need and mm. want, which is the same clash in the MFO space, which is the same clash in the RIA space. Right. People are saying, right. I want this, 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 and this, and, the, and, and we're like, we're getting there. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's a, I think it, it's a helpful takeaway that, you know, no matter what scale uh, client you might have or, you know, where you are in your business, if you're starting out working with, you know, just small families or you're working out with, you know, some business owners or, you know, people who have to, uh, you know, screen their gardeners to make sure they're not Jason Bourne or something like this, the clash is still the same. And that is there, we are at a crossroads as an industry between sort of old world solutions that were built more than 20 years ago and this just newer, uh, you know, just digitally savvy client that is, is looking at it going like, why, why are you still talking about this SMA? Like, you know, this, this old world sort of solution to, to their problems, or it's still investment centric and mm -hmm. they, they've, they've been, you know, flipping NFTs on, on you. And like, they're, they're so much yeah. further past it. And so yeah. I think that it's, it's important takeaway to know that the, 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 the tension is there at every level. It's there when you're dealing with, um, you know, like I said, just younger professionals, or you're dealing with the guy who just, you know, sold his family farm for a hundred million dollars. Yeah. And you know, in so, some of its challenges between the perceptions of worlds and like, there's a nuance where, well, especially, you know, if you have a business owner that's, that's made an extreme amount of wealth, um, unless you were his value advisor or something like that, 
he's going to be like, yeah, but if you knew anything in business about business, why didn't you do it? Right. Yeah. Right. And the same thing in the investing world. It's like, you know, so you have to, you can't build trust the old ways that people did. Mm -hmm. Right. It has to be, um, you know, flat fees and advice only and things like that, that'll help build, um, that helps build trust, but really it has to be where you're going to do the right thing for the client every single time. And you, you know, even when it's a penny, you're making sure that you're actually slicing it in their favor. Yeah. Right. And, and then when they start seeing that over and over and over, um, then they start, Oh, okay. This person's actually telling me the truth about this other complicated thing. That's scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? It's demonstrated through experience. So let's, let's pivot and talk about those conversations. Um, so you, you've, you've shared your, your, your clients are very tech savvy. You yourself are very tech native. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a, like a soundboard somewhere that, you know, needs your help to, you know, fix a, fix I a mic used, or <laughs> I used to do that for several churches. Yeah, that's a fun yeah. job. See, I, I just, that's, that's just who you are, Daniel. I just, I can hear it. Um, what, what are the conversations like with around these digital assets? Are you, um, are you finding that they are, what, what kind of questions are they asking or like, is it, is it very basic or are they, like you said, you, they're, they're very DeFi native. Um, share with me some of those conversations. Okay. Um, yeah. So I can, I can share you. How about I can share like the topics that come up. I, I want verbatim, but yes. Okay. Fine. Topics. <laughs> I probably can't do that for privacy. Um, yeah. If the gardener is, you know, a, a, a mole or something like I, I can't imagine you telling me too much. So anyways, I, I'm, I'm not like, that's gonna be my one takeaway. Just so you know, Daniel, that like you like make you, the gardener go through a metal detector before he goes to work or something like that's, that, that's what I'm envisioning. It's, you only get plastic tools. <laughs> Sorry about the rocks. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, so, the, so some conversations are a lot of conversations are the same because people are the same about the life planning stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. We're going to talk about, um, it, this is this for business owners or also for this new type of thing in crypto, which is very, very much like a business. I think it is a business. The more I hmm. get deeper into it, it just not, it just looks differently than any business because, you don't have marketing and customers and you know, it, it looks different, but it, it is a business. Hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about, um, risks that they didn't know about. Right. We're talking about the thing that's on their mind right now. Like with hmm. any client, when they come in for that thing, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're doing pro bono work, if they come in to you and say, Hey, look, we think we got a cancer diagnosis. Probably shouldn't start talking about investments. You right. know? Right? right. You got to spend an hour with the concerns that they really have. So we're talking about, um, who in the financial planning world, who in really just any of the finance world is people that you can probably trust. Mm. Like mm -hmm. what certifications are actually somewhat valuable. The things that normally, you know, normally a place like a uh, family office exchange in Chicago or something like that will have been educated a client for a decade. Because of, you know, these nice events that they can go to, but they're educating them on um, who knows what, mm. right? How much they should charge, mm -hmm. um, how much everybody else in the family office should charge at what levels, like making sure that they're not, um, they're aware that they're not getting ripped off. So a lot of it's around education around that. Um, it's education around, um, it's, it's taking the 10,000 things floating around their head. Yeah. And starting to put them into a framework and doing the things that they care about right now, right? So it's, it's the same thing as, as regular financial planning. Right. That's what I, I'm, I'm coming back to again in my head. It's that um, because the space is so early, like the number one sort of concern is trust. Can, can I, can I, tr are you trustworthy to educate me and help me understand this brand new thing um, that, you know, maybe they, maybe they do get, maybe they do understand, but it's still a conversation that starts with trust and, and, and how they go about sort of measuring that and, 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 
you know, deciphering, are you trustworthy enough to help us understand, help us, uh, you know, mm -hmm. sort of uh, implement this new thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's kind of like, they don't expect you to know exactly the advanced strategy that they're using to trade at three in the morning or whatever. Right. <laughs> right. That's, that's not what they're, it's not the tactics. They want you to not be a complete bumbling idiot about digital assets. They want mm -hmm. you to kind of understand the taxes so that you can talk to your attorney, kind of understand the, the, um, estate planning deep enough that you know what type of attorney can, okay, this one can actually probably do your work. Right. Right. Before right. you even introduce them, you're kind of a filter. You're mm -hmm. going to talk to 50 estate planning attorneys and 40 of them are going to be very nice people that have no idea what they're talking about, even though they say that they do stuff for crypto. Yeah. Right? Same thing I, for accountants. Yeah. It's fascinating right. because one of the um, potential use cases I see in this space for financial advisors in general is to kind of do what you're describing. And that is they, the, these people, maybe they need help with some investments or asset allocation or, you know, um, you know, tweaking uh, certain holdings or, or, you know, if they have concentrated positions, but maybe they don't, maybe this, this, you know, 24 seven market with all of these automated, you know, strategies and, and, and ways to, to garner yield and to, you know, grow, like maybe the, the, the highest and best use for, for your, you know, role in this is to not focus on the investments, yeah. to focus on the trustworthiness and be that filter that they need to understand these other aspects that are fine. You know, they're, they're going to have implications and for taxes and, you know, ownership and what happens if something happens, you know, how, who, how does my wife know what, you know, seed phrases are and, and all that kind of stuff. Like That's that, the those, hard are stuff. The, those are the hard things. And those are the real things that can, you can add real value to and help with. Yeah. Have you seen, um, there's this thing called Prince Rupert's drop. Mm -mm. It's basically when you, when you have a, a heated piece of glass and you drop it into water, the tension, the tension inside the grass, inside the glass aligns and it kind of looks like a tadpole, but basically okay. when they take it out and you can hang it in a tree and you can shoot it with a 45 <laughs> and it won't break. Oh wow. You can shoot it right in the face. It will not break. But if you pick it up by the tail and just snap it, the whole thing will shatter because the tent. Right. I, it's, it's sort a of single how point of failure that destroys everything. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so a lot of them have this problem where they didn't, they, it's not that they don't have a hit by the bus plan. Very often, um, usually it's him that's deep, deep into crypto. And usually she doesn't care at all. Mm -hmm. Right. So if he gets hit by a bus and is disabled or dies, is gone. Like it's all right. gone. Right? right. It's worse than normal estate planning or, or it's, um, because of the custody issue, it's even worse than what you would think. Mm. Right. Wow. So there's way, you know, there's problems like that that are somewhat unique to somebody who's 90% crypto. And, um, you know, it's kind of a good segue to get on my box a little bit. The innovations that I want to see in the financial space, are what I'm doing is called whiteboard planning mm -hmm. because if you're deep in the jungle, your software is designed for like one person or one business or one task. None of the financial planning software talks to each other. It barely does the, you know, if it does the job, right, it'll usually do the right. Right. But if you have a family, let's say you have a, a child with special needs, kids that are going to college, uh, kids with student loans, grandparents with special care needs. One of the couples in the family that's part of the family office is getting a divorce, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What financial planning software can do any of that, right? Now right. you can get, like College Aid Pro can do some of it really well, right? But right now it still doesn't talk, even though it's, they, they're one of the few people that's really, my goodness, they're going hundred miles an hour, mm -hmm. but it still doesn't talk to everything else. Yeah. Right. So there's no, your literally all of your main strategies have to be done on a whiteboard and a team's got to figure it out because it's just complex enough that all of your software breaks. It's just, <laughs> right. or it's not, it's not tackling or addressing like the, the one key issue that this unique family is dealing with. Um, 
yeah, it becomes it, a calculator for something that, yeah, you need to do it anyway, but it's not mm-hmm. even a relevant variable in most of your real decisions. Right? So is the, is the innovation more about the integration of the software or is it sort of the customization um, available to you? Like what I'm trying, yeah. trying to, to glean, like what, yeah, what, what would, what would make Daniel happy? Oh, um, I'm, I'm, uh, it's not very easy to make me happy. What I want is financial planning software to talk to each other. Right. So right. that like, if you need to, to bring, like, say you have a board of advisors, you want to bring in uh, a CDFA on this topic. Mm-hmm. Like you want to bring in specialists here, 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 but you also get their software to connect to your software and not yeah. just like simple API, but actually start leading, like, what are the tax optimizations that you can do in multi-entity structures inside this family where you've got family labor pro- partnerships over here and trust over here and LLCs over here. Right now it's not easy. Yeah. Right now it's very, and, and the, that should be automated. There's a lot of things that should be done, but there's, I'm sure that there's, you know, there's regulatory, regulatory problems. Yeah. But um, I would like to see financial planning software that allows us to collaborate so that we can work in teams. Mm, yeah. And you know, it's funny as you're describing it, it, it sounds like the beginnings of data ownership when another way of expressing that is an NFT, you know? Um, yeah. In fact, I saw on Twitter uh, this morning that, you know, NFT is actually a really poorly branded thing, you know, yeah. non-fungible, just, it just, that just sounds like from a whole nother world. Um, but self-owning, like it, yeah. it should have been a self-owning token because at mm. the end of the day, that's what makes NFT so amazing is the ability for the owner to control the data that's underneath, you know, NFTs are a little bit more than JPEGs and, you know, little, uh, profile pics. It, it, they, they are the, the mechanism for you to own your own data. And I can envision what you're describing. Um, you know, sort of like maybe the first, uh, version of it is somehow having software that interacts with these NFTs where a client controls and houses their own sort of financial data that gets mm-hmm. connected into these different systems. And health data and estate planning data. All and, of it. And, All of it. And. There, there could be, every one of these could be their own, you know, own NFT. And, but, and oh yeah, we think we own a house somewhere that someone gave to us. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. I, I definitely think that that, that needs to be on the radar. So someone in the planner DAO, if you're listening to this, once you start building it, um, come talk to Daniel, he'll help you figure out the ins and outs. Um, but it's, it, it, I'm encouraged because I think as we, um, as we connect in the planner DAO, like that is the the community, that team that you described that can do a lot of this innovation. Um, you know, that I have been so blown away at the willingness for, other advisors to, to be so collaborative and um, yeah. you know, you're, you're a big part of that, but I think that's, that's just a, a value of our community that um, ha- has drawn me deeper and deeper into it because it's, it's just really exciting to start talking to really smart people that are just genuinely good people and they're open books that they'll answer your question. You know, there is no dumb yeah. question. And I, I, I think, for the first six months of the Dow, I, all I did was ask stupid questions to everybody. And that's what I'm still just, doing <laughs> that in, that in your memes, you, you, you like to share your memes a lot. Um, yeah, I, um, you, to your point, the, um, you know, we, we all have different, lots of us have different Colby's and like different, um, like if you look at ocean scores or big five and strengths finder and, and different specializations. So, <laughs> what, what ends up being is even the person that you at first thought was like competition isn't in any way competition. That person is a mastermind partner that will help you guys can grow your pies together. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's what I love about this type of community where we're keeping the culture like so transparent and pure and like, you know, right now this project's secret but bam, look, it's all there. This is what we did. Yeah. You know, it's out on notion. This is what we're doing. I, I love all that. Like that's, I'm trying to, I'm going to choke up and cry here if I keep talking about it, but, no, uh, but I, I, I'll save you from that. Um, 
you know, it's, it's not only you get to grow the pie, you actually still get to own a piece of the pie. And so, you know, yeah. there's, there's sort of like your, your little slice getting bigger because you, you have a cut of this pie. You're, you're an actual um, owner of the community and the value that it's creating. And that's, that's a game changer for me. That's, that's why, yeah. you know, I probably, you know, <laughs> would, would love to, you know, re- limit some of my other obligations to just spend more time at the DAO um, because it's just such a fascinating, uh, you know, web three idea is, is this idea of ownership that, um, this group of advisors and, and people collectively has significant value um, and being able to monetize that with the plan token and being able to share in that is just, again, that's, that's yeah. a pretty amazing uh, concept. So, and, and having the ethics of like truly decentralizing the CDA and having only those people, you know, guide the evolution of the CDA into a, a multi faceted um, like that's, that's just that's wonderful. Yeah. Like that, that has not existed that. And the way that we're going to, um, we're going to be able to teach other DAOs how to actually not just be a beta DAO. This is how you manage your treasury. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. how you do, you know, this is how you run operations. Like, so, um, I am so excited about what all these different projects, I, I almost want to be like in every group just so I can listen to all the cool stuff happening. Like, don't mind me. I'm just like, right, right. You because just there's so much cool stuff happening constantly. So um, I just love being in it because it's there's other DAOs that I like that are cool, mm-hmm. but this one feels like the one that will be the archetype for how to create a DAO that's going to last for a long time and not just be a single purpose. Mm. We, we we cut out just a little bit there, but I, I think it was uh, it was a good good ending um, point in that the DAO um, the planner DAO is is set up to be um, just a, a significant force for good. Um, an example for other DAOs, an example for our own industry. Um, again, it's it's a very unique mix of the the right kinds of people with the right values all aligned all working for um similar goals and they're all professionals like we're this isn't a uh, you know just a, a collection of people around some sort of like social you know uh board ape kind of meme nft thing it, this is these are real professionals um that are are grinding towards you know some some really big uh big lofty goals to change and you know change an industry that's been such you know stuck in the the past you know the financial industry is such a dinosaur so slow to adapt and change and so um the same time that's the opportunity is this industry is so ripe for change um and it doesn't take much for you to get an idea of just how amazing um you know that opportunity really is and the the kind of impact that you can have you know thinking about um you know some of the things that that have just happened in the dow with um you know the the releasing of the index the the planner dow opportunity you know um digital opportunity index so um that these these things are all you know so new they're they're open for you to come contribute you know your expertise your perspective um you know it's it's just really exciting time to be connecting to the planner dow and yeah, and like speaking for me, um, not speaking for the DAO in any way, if I have a question, if I have something that I'm kind of confused on, I'm going to go to the DAO first. Like that's where mm-hmm. I'm going to ask. And if I'm looking for, like, if I was going to look to hire somebody, if somebody has a CDA or if they're in the DAO, oh, man, that's a lot of bonus points. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just it's a lot of credibility, hopefully. Yeah, the credibility um, and and just the the understanding, like we're really really early, and if you're starting to figure it out right now, you're not behind. You're mm-hmm. way ahead of the curve. Um, so I just appreciate everybody that's active in the DAO and that um, brings new resources, and um, even if they're not resources that you know everybody uses, it's still very valuable. Mm-hmm. We're probably at a at a good point here, Daniel, to to wrap up the the very first episode of Off the Chain, um, where we have just frank conversations with members of the Planner DAO. Um, I can't thank you enough, Daniel, for um, 
going first for, for being, um, you know, just willing to, to have this conversation and share about your own business, your own experience. Um, I did not know that you pat down gardeners for, you know, in your, in your spare time, but again, just really appreciate you, Daniel, being here and being so active in the Dow. Well, I thank you for having the conversation. I've, uh, I forgot we were even recording for a while. <laughs> well, the people listening have it. They're, they're hoping that it, it you know, it, it wraps up soon. I'm just kidding. Um, but no, thanks again, Daniel. And uh, thanks for your, your time on the Crypto for Planners podcast, the most interesting CFP in the world. Stay crypto, my friends.